There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, brought to you by First Light. Today's episode is all about developing a successful gun hunting strategy built around bow hunting styles. Gun hunting whitetails is the most popular kind of hunting in the country. This mid to late November time frame is when it happens throughout much of the whitetails range. And in some deer crazy states, it happens to the tune of hundreds of thousands of people hitting the woods decked out in blaze orange all at the same time. Generally, like three or four out of every 10 of those hunters will leave the deer shack with a filled tag. The rest, they're eating tag soup. There's a lot of reasons for this, but mostly it's because a lot of gun hunters don't hunt like they should because they hunt like gun hunters now there's a different way a better way to do it which is what i'm going to talk about on this episode right now growing up as a dedicated bow hunter made me kind of an asshole for quite a few years most of it was just bitterness at my buddies who didn't know anything about deer hunting They didn't scout, and they still went and sat at the end of a drive during our Minnesota season, and those bastards killed deer. It felt unfair. But as the editor of this podcast likes to say when I'm whining about something, them's the breaks, dude. And he's right. I had no grounds to complain about those deer hunters who were just as happy to be in the woods doing their thing as I was. But that was part of the source of my discontentment. I wasn't in the woods, and they were. And all I wanted to do was always be in the woods which is something I haven't really kicked yet. I stayed out, though, thinking that a really serious bow hunter wouldn't be caught dead in the general firearm season, and I stuck to that until I came into possession of a suitable rifle after planning a Wyoming antelope hunt with my dad. Before that, I didn't really even own a a deer rifle, and actually owning a deer rifle that I could deer hunt with, it softened my stance just a little bit, but I still didn't go rifle hunting for deer until I was 26. 14 years after I started bow hunting. Even then, way up north near the boundary waters, I mostly left my centerfire at the cabin and took my shotgun out for grouse. 
It wasn't until a few years later, when I was suffering from a serious bout of buck fever and the yips as a bow hunter, that I still had a buck tag going into the gun season. Now, you're probably guessing what happened. I had a buck tag. I had a deer rifle for the first time in my life. I also, coincidentally, had permission to keep hunting a chunk of land that I'd been bow hunting all season long up in north central Minnesota. There was one buck in there, a 130-inch type of deer that I'd been after since the bow opener. And while I'd seen him a few times, I hadn't had him in range. So I bought a gun tag, and I waited until the landowner had gotten his hunting fix. Six days into the season, I went in and watched the field where the buck liked to feed. I also listened to a neighbor rattle almost nonstop the entire time. I didn't see anything, and this is only speculation on my part, but neither did he. In fact, I bet that guy has never seen a deer while he was hunting. All right, all right, maybe that's a little too harsh, but that dude rattled so much, so much. In fact, I was thinking in all of my years that I've been out here in the woods, all season long, I've only ever witnessed a couple of buck fights. And this guy is raging a monster buck fight every five, 10 minutes. Crazy. Anyway, it felt pretty stupid to be deep into the gun season and sitting on an open hayfield, even though that's where I wanted to be because I knew I could shoot the whole thing. It was a weird feeling going from carrying a bow all season where I might shoot maybe max 40 yards, and yet going out there a couple weeks later and carrying a gun that I could shoot 200, 300 yards with. Now, the deer in that area, they get hunted hard, and they clearly know that waiting until dark is a better strategy than rolling across the wide open while dodging rifle shots. That made me think I got to have a better plan for the following morning. So I made a better plan. I figured I'd go wade into the cattail slough the buck seemed to frequent. I knew he was betting in there. I didn't know how much time he was spending in there. I thought maybe that's the place he'd show himself. So I got into that slough in the dark. And then a little after first light, as it so often happens in good cover, I suddenly realized there was a doe standing like 125 yards away. Then I even more suddenly realized the buck I had tried to kill all fall was standing right behind her. Now listen, I'm not a very good rifle shot. I'm just going to tell you that flat out. So it didn't go as planned with a one shot, one kill type of thing. I did knock him down with the first shot, but he got back up and I did end up shooting a few more times. It wasn't pretty. But in my defense, the debilitating buck fever that I had plagued me in the bow stand followed me right to that natural ground blind, even though I was carrying a far more lethal weapon, and I really had no excuse for not making a perfect shot. When I stood over that thick-necked buck, I realized a couple of things. Even when we think the deer are probably totally gone, they often aren't. That deer used that cattail slew all summer. I watched him. He was in there all fall. I know it. And then he was in there during the gun season, deep into gun season on pressured ground. If you want to kill a buck with a rifle or a shotgun and you hunt pressured ground, it made me realize you got to kind of think like a bow hunter. This has paid off for me almost every single time I've ever picked up a rifle in Minnesota or Wisconsin and often results in 50 or 60 yard shots in the cover. It's also something you should think about if you're going to partake in the general gun season. But first, 
you've got to understand what most of us get wrong when we throw some shells in the pockets of our blaze orange coveralls and wish the rest of our hunting party good luck before we head out. The first thing is the luck part. An awful lot of gun hunters are banking on luck to send a buck their way. They think if they sit long enough, one of the neighbors will bump a deer in their direction. And listen, that happens. But counting on it is probably a bad idea. You don't have to get lucky to kill deer, even though it helps. The second thing that gun hunters tend to get wrong, in my opinion, is that they have their quote-unquote spot. Their one spot. This will almost always be a ladder stand or a box blind that allows them to see from one end of the field to the other, or for 500 yards up and down a power line cut. It might be on a slight rise near a huge clear cut, or where a fire lane has been cut between a pine plantation and a patch of thicker brush. Wherever it is, you can bet that it'll offer one thing, a good view. Deer hunters in general are hooked on seeing a lot of ground, and rifle hunters, they're the worst. Us bow hunters, we're pretty bad. Rifle hunters, they're worse. This is due, of course, or at least I suspect, to having a weapon that can reach out and touch them. After all, aren't your odds better of filling a tag if you have the ability to see and shoot a couple hundred yards in every direction? Absolutely, provided the deer walk through those spots. But that's fodder for the whole point of this episode, which I'll get into shortly. For now, I'll say one more thing about the general style of hunting that you see in gun season as it relates to the one-spot style. Having one stand means you're going to hunt it whether the conditions are perfect or terrible. Whether the wind is coming from the north or the south or the rain is falling or the field nearby is unpicked or whatever. The range of a gun and the luck factor are usually enough to get folks to go back to the same spot and sit where they've sat for year after year in hopes that this time will happen. But it's not always the best option. It's an okay strategy for killing deer somewhat consistently in a lot of places, but if you want a mature buck or are hunting in a place with real pressure, which is super common during gun season, that strategy might not pan out that well. This is also an excellent way to witness how quickly deer react to pressure and suddenly stop going where they've been going for much of the fall. And here's the thing about this stuff that I've said on this show over and over. You really have two jobs as a deer hunter. The first is to out-hunt the deer. The second is to outwork your competition. If everyone in your party posts up in a ladder stand to look over wide open ground each day of the season, is your best bet to just follow suit, do what they're doing? Spoiler alert, it's not. Now, if you've got a sweet spot with limited pressure, you might be able to volume hunt one spot until it happens for you. The rest of us, we should consider something different. When I gun hunt, which I mostly do these days in northern Wisconsin, where nearly 600,000 other folks try to shoot a deer at the same time, I always plan for two types of sits. The first is that typical gun stand with a nice shooting rail, a comfortable seat and platform, and room to see. This is an opening day stand, and it might allow me to catch a deer who hasn't fully realized that the World War III level shooting he hears is a super danger to him. This is a stand that might come into play for only opening day, or maybe all of opening weekend. But after that, that kind of stand is usually a lost cause. And in that case, it's time to go to a portable stand in the cover. Now this sounds simple, but it's a mental thing. 
It's very hard to take a scoped, high-powered rifle into a stand that allows for shots that might top out at only 40 or 50 yards. But that's often where the deer will be. I blew the mind of a good buddy of mine who is a die-hard gun hunter a few years back with this strategy. He sits shooting lanes and field edges and generally does what gun hunters do. I felt like the deer I was hunting were going to catch on quick, so I made the move to a staging area in the thick cover by the first afternoon of the season. So we were on different properties, but we were hunting different strategies. And after blanking the entire first day until the late afternoon, I heard footsteps in the leaves, and then I saw antlers. And when the eight-pointer showed himself at 35 yards, it was over. Even I can't screw that shot up with a rifle. I could have killed that buck with a bow in that situation. He was in a spot traveling in a specific direction that would have kept him in the tight cover until dark. I had a pretty good idea where he was coming from. I had a pretty good idea where he was going. And I had a pretty good idea that he wasn't going to walk out in the wide open. I firmly believe that it only took a handful of hours to remind that deer, a deer that had been through a couple of gun seasons already, that it was time to stay in the thick stuff. This, along with just holding up and not moving much, It's their go-to survival strategy. They do it often, and they do it really, really well. They know that the woods have gone from relatively empty to full of people driving ATVs around and trying to do little mini drives to one another and just generally alerting the whitetail herd to their presence in the woods. Now, this doesn't stop the rut, and it doesn't stop deer from eating. It just changes when and where they do these things. Basically, they do these things where we don't like to go. It's not really mind-blowing, I know. It's old news to anyone who has read hunting articles for a while. But the places we don't like to go are often not what you and I think of. Sure, you know this could mean an overgrown homestead or a thicket filled with multi-flora rows. It might also mean a real swamp. It might mean a single side of a bluff that is steep and pinned between two major roads. I don't know, it might mean a cattail slough that the deer have been using all season. Now, this all depends on where you hunt and how much land you have to roam. But if your property features some thick stuff, especially in a place that you tend to ignore for some reason, some deer probably dive into it when the gunshots start sounding off. It really is often that simple. But what's not simple is hunting that type of spot. It might be a couple of acres where you think, well, if I can see the edge... I'll shoot them when they come out, but you might actually need to be right in there with them. That's a hard thing for a lot of gun hunters to believe. It's much easier to go to the default stand and hope a buck comes by. Now, a good way to think about finding these deer honey holes is to think about elk hunting in an over-the-counter unit. Since there are plenty of backcountry warriors dead set on hiking as deep as possible, there's no rule anymore that says if you just get far enough from the trailhead, you'll find unpressured bulls. That strategy, it doesn't work very well anymore. People are everywhere. You know, you've got outfitters going in on horses. You've got just regular hunters going in on horses. You've got diehards who think they have to be seven miles from the trailhead. People are everywhere. They find every spot. So you've got to go find small pockets of dark timber or aspens where those folks just don't go for whatever reason. These are often a hell of a lot closer to main trails than we think, but almost always necessitate a big climb up to or a controlled descent into a spot. Deer do the same thing, 
on a smaller scale. They're just like Little Elk in Little Elk territory. They're just tuned in to where we don't like to go, and they'll choose those spots to ride out the gun season. And having one extra ambush option in a place like this can change your entire gun season, especially after the excitement of opening week has died down. When that first Monday hits and the deer seem to have all been sucked up by a UFO's tractor beam and whisked off to the Andromeda galaxy, it is really hard to stay in the game when you know that you haven't seen so much as a button buck from your stand in a day or two or three. One fresh vista, even if it's a tight vista, is all it takes to keep your mental game sharper and to throw the local deer for a loop by doing what their main predator, you, isn't supposed to do. But I'll say this again. It's not easy. If you're going to gun hunt like you'd bow hunt, then you actually have to gun hunt like you'd bow hunt. Riding the ATV down the logging road to within 150 yards of your stand at first light? Not going to cut it, guys. You're going to want to get up early. and You're going to want to walk. You're going to want to be quiet. You're not going to want to ignore the wind direction because that's not going to work out for you. If you're hunting a two-acre island in a swamp, you can't have the wind blowing right through it. That'll kill your chances so fast it's not even funny. You still have to think through your setups and realize that you're probably not going to get the advantage of being 200 yards away from the deer. This is going to be a close game because you're bow hunting with a gun. They're going to be right on top of you. And they're going to be cagey. You need to plan for that. But you also need to just do it. Have one backup spot, either set up or the means to go mobile and make a hunt like this happen. Oftentimes, you might only have to go a couple hundred yards from your go-to ladder stand to find this opportunity. There are other times when you might need a total reset on your spot choice. Either way, plan to hunt like others won't, to kill deer that others won't. If you fail at this, which is possible, next week I'll tell you why and how to not have a repeat of this unsuccessful gun season. That's it for this week, my friends. I'm Tony Peterson, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundation's podcast. Be sure to check out themeateater.com slash wired for more deer-related articles, videos, and podcasts. Hey, everybody knows Weber grills. I've been using Weber grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. With a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.